1: you're listening to Drifter Sympathy on Feral Audio. Go to feralaudio.com and click Shop Amazon to shop through their Amazon portal. Proceeds support this and other Feral Audio podcasts.
2: Do you hear the train? That's because I just moved underneath the train. All right, we're not going to waste any time today. Rare Soundtracks is back, and it's a steep mountain to climb because there's so much material out there that uh, was buried by the great avalanche of stupidity that we have to dig through. So let's start out with just pure fucking genius and Roy Budd. We'll be Down, Roy Budd will stand tall the test of time. Funny story, I used to be obsessed with the CIA about 10 years ago, who was originally called the OSS and was trained, the Americans were trained by the British. So the British were our forefathers in more ways than one, intellectually, culturally, they taught us how to spy and so there was a very underappreciated BBC show called The Sandbaggers and it's supposed to represent a day in the life of a black ops special category underneath MI6 that does these covert operations. It's both the best show I've ever seen and the most boring shit probably for people who don't like slow bbc shows but the theme was done by roy budd and it's one of the classic yet unsampled british crime pieces of music I was trying to avoid this but it's ironic that it happened immediately you can't really play that without mentioning Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells and the effect that it had on all soundtracks and suspense history amazing documentary on it you can find on YouTube but essentially Mike Oldfield was, was a pretty troubled guy and that wrote this insanely long piece of music And The Exorcist borrowed just a tiny bit of the opening And when it did that And everybody posited The sound of those bells Kind of descending starkly That moment, that that emotional atmosphere You could do a 300 episode podcast on how consistently that piece of music has been ripped off to create basically modern horror. Now, before that, they did other things, but after that, they didn't. They just ripped it off. You could say Halloween. You could say Phantasm. You could say Friday the 13th. You could say Nightmare on Elm Street. Every one of them is going to have a descending piano line at some point, and that's the fucking rule. I don't even want to prove it because it's fucking annoying to have to go through and point out what's painfully obvious. Okay, I guess I'm playing it just to demonstrate the point. I wondered how such a bad guitar solo can get on top of such an insanely expensive sounding production. Like, I mean, the drummer, everybody else is just fucking getting their alimony money and just nailing shit. But the the guitarist, I mean, clearly to get on that track, it was like it had to be like the producer's cousin or something. That, that was ridiculous. But yeah, anyway, that wasn't the actual tubular bells. That was like a weird, rare funk version. But um, moving on, I guess here's a little jib-jab of phantasms so you know what I'm talking about. Totally beautiful and exemplifying really all the flaws that we all love from that era, like shamelessly ripping off all these successful things, devices that have worked before, and yet bringing something really compositionally beautiful on its own terms. But still incredible that the roads is completely out of tune near the end. I love that it was somebody's job to just give the green light on that that that, that was like a totally professional is a film soundtrack coming out oh yeah the main theme uh well the roads the central instrument is totally out of tune we didn't have time we went with it sounds great of course no one ever said that because the person that actually heard it didn't admit it to his supervisor so whatever it gets through there it is caught forever and you fucking love it because it's fucking weird and it's so killer going down the road of the exorcist and all that is important contextually but it's not really leading us back to our subject which is rare soundtracks Let's go back to Roy Budd, because he really is like the epitome of wanting to rescue somebody from history that was generally slighted and died tragically. He died of a brain hemorrhage when he was 46, which is extremely young, and had reportedly sunk his entire life's earnings that he had left into a new production of Phantom of the Opera, Scoring the original silent film? Uh, I think when you read about it, the implication is that he was making a really bad decision. I'm not sure if you're supposed to take away that he had mentally slipped, but he apparently sunk himself into total bankruptcy and then died suddenly. So it's just one of those terrible stories. But uh, let's return to what's good about his life.
1: Wishing I was my own beach.
2: Of his most famous films, Get Carter, Michael Caine, just ruling the 70s, just ruling. I mean, you got that in Dressed to Kill and you're done. Just call it a day. Turn off the lights. If you could dream up ultimate instrumental genres, ultimate shit that God is listening to in heaven, just fucking jamming around. I think British crime has got to be super fucking high. I mean, Jesus Christ. Listen to Roy Budner's Heyday. Listen to Stanley Myers in his Heyday. First we'll do Stanley Myers' Sitting Target. These drum fills with the brushes? Fucking perfect. Clearly he's a genius. I mean, this is the guy that did the music for the deer hunter. So he's not really playing games. But um, here we go again. You can't throw a rock around here without hitting a fucking song that has another descending keyboard riff like two real bells. But the weird thing is that this is a year before The Exorcist. So I don't know. You, you decide, is this some sort of collective unconscious thing where people just reach for like gregorian melodies to create tension i don't know word from our friends at rhetoric coffee
1: rhetoric coffee is a subscription coffee service get a fresh bag of coffee every two weeks delivered to your front door every bag is screen printed by hand with art commissioned directly from independent comic book artists each blend of rhetoric coffee is completely unique with complex flavors you won't taste anywhere else rhetoric coffee goes above and beyond fair trade not just for their coffee but in how they pay their artists Go to rhetoriccoffee.com and enter Drifter for 30% off your first bag. That's R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C-coffee.com. Feel good about drinking ethical coffee.
2: And since we may never come back to Roy Budd ever again, which is a fucking crime... Let's go with one of his greatest heist themes for a film called Diamonds. This is what gangster dreams are made of. we've got to change gears into a soundtrack that was largely unwanted by the world. Um, There was a movie in 1970 called the people next door, a classic cautionary tale about a daughter who takes acid and is led into a life of addiction and eventually committed to a mental ward.
3: This is
4: Maxie. She's 16. Blonde. Blonde. Pretty. She lives at home with her family, the people next door. Arthur,
0: Will you come here, please? Quickly! What's the matter? Please hurry. What is it? I want to go home. <laughs> I hear mountains. I see music.
1: <laughs> what? She's what? What are you talking about? What's the matter with her? Can you be quiet for a minute? Have you ever heard of LSD? LSD? LSD, uh, Where would she get a thing like that?
0: You know what you are, Daddy? You're a jackass. This is not the first time I've tripped out. (laughs) Daddy's scared.
4: For average, middle-class American
2: people.
0: I'll run away again just as soon as I can.
2: So the morality play aspect is is pretty heavy-handed, and it's safe to say that it's a terrible movie. But the soundtrack, while not great, has this odd moment of a massachusetts band called the bead game which has got to be a herman hess reference they do this song called sweet medusa which maybe was written to embody the the seduction of the drugs or something anyway they went on to make two records and i guess the singer joined steely dan they never amounted to all that much but this moment in this terrible basically after school special movie is pretty interesting. It almost has like a Greek scale guitars and killer harmonies and weird tempo changes. We haven't done it before And may not get around to it again This is going to be a good example Of how soundtracks Figured in really heavily To early hip hop production Obviously If you're going digging For something that you want to use You're going to Hem towards instrumental music So Back in the early 90s Let's say When sampler times were stretching out more and more you're inevitably going to end up in the soundtrack section looking for instrumentals so on a really good day someone like MF Doom would have been flipping through I mean honestly this record by Galt McDermott was probably very very well known by collectors even though it's still not well known by anyone outside of that interest group. Galt McDermott was the legend for writing the music of hair. And I think when you're looking for samples, you're looking in a direction that other people don't want to look in. So maybe that's why someone would have picked up a Galt McDermott record in the first place, because the way that this guy wrote music was really unusual. I mean, there's nothing that I could really compare it to. It's like piano-driven, minimal funk almost like honky-tonk barroom trio music it's very hard to explain but the spooky aspect is that these guys wrote this music and produced it almost seeming to know that it would be dug up and recut into beats it's just too perfect for the situation of New Orleans in the early 60s I just can't imagine this music being played anywhere it's too aware of what's gonna happen 40 years later listen to how minimal this is this is like music from Herman Hesse's Steppenwolf when they go down into this club called Hell where else would this music be played? it makes no sense picture young MF Doom flipping through the racks one afternoon and he comes across this record by the guy who writes the music for Hair. This is why this is interesting, is you have this weird love affair that gets established across cultures. And it's a fetishism that begins on the part of the hip-hop producer that doesn't exist in a lot of music. Like, someone could learn how to play jazz guitar to its highest degree, but they still might not have the fetishism that this hip-hop producer has for some weird fucking old white guy that plays honky-tonk piano. That's a bizarre thing, and it's a beautiful thing. So the legions of young kids that are going to buy these records by MF Doom are somehow getting pulled into this relationship with this old world entity whether you like it or not it's just happening you know maybe you can blame marijuana that MF Doom is establishing this relationship with this dude, and he's got this ear for certain sections, is what creates the confluence of these two entities and time and space. There's so another good example on the same Galt McDermott record. It begins with like this, this sort of Celtic fiddle ballad. And then MF Doom picks up on this thing he wants to use, which was a great catch.
3: properly provoked mirror broke Here's here shall stole every morning morning more important spawning torn in corner spawning corners and switching positions auditioning morticians Sword in a visiting or prison. Ignoramices and listen, sound dumb. Found them, drown in cows dung, crowns flung. Rings a tinker bell, sing for things as frail as a fingernail. Bring a scale, stale ginger lingers, Seven figures in vigor, nigga, fresh from out the jail, alpha male, sickest ninja injury. This century enter flee, then sympathy, the limper, simple salmon, ramen MCs. Freeze is free, please leave a key. These meager fleas, he's the breeze and she's the bees, needs for she's Cheese of cheese, seize property, shopper's freeze, chop the cheese, drop the grease to stop diseases. G whiz, pal, doom rock, grandma, like the cool bar y'all Mama was a whole hopper, papa was a rolling stone star, like old palma, full of car, like old drama. Civil liberties, these little titties, abilities, little me, middle C.
2: All right, let's clean up this mess and go back to some classic era slasher stuff. Stay off the Italians because they are too complex and there's too much to cover there. But that was a quick one called Pieces.
1: Warning what you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described,
4: cannot even be imagined. You don't have to
1: go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted.
2: Fuck it. We're staying in Italy for a second. Pieces is an amalgamation of some library music, I believe, because when I first got into Cipriani, I had this other soundtrack called Ring of Darkness that featured some of the same exact background tracks that Pieces uses, but Ring of Darkness was less funny and overtly dark. It is a film about satanic cults, but there's a lot of those. This score has still not been reissued on vinyl, but Lord, it is one of the deep, profound insights into Sonic Terror. plays a detective that comes a little too close to getting inside the mind of the killer that's on the loose. And in a sense, you can hear Cipriani climbing inside the brain of the slasher with these pieces. easy to evoke that feeling of someone following you, and the wind blowing, and the feeling of being watched from a distance. He makes it sound easy, but that doesn't mean it is. uneasy feeling when the credits start rolling and the film isn't resolved. Maybe Michael Myers has gotten back up and walked away. I wouldn't be surprised if that was an Italian under a fake name. The soundtrack for Brain Damage says that a person named Clutch Riser and Gus Russo made it, but You don't find their names listed anywhere else in the history of soundtracks. Closing out, this is a film called Looker, actually written by Michael Crichton, who did Westworld. He also wrote Andromeda Strain, which might be the film with the first noise soundtrack. He wrote a little thing called Jurassic Park you may have heard of. Apparently, Looker was the first film that used three-dimensional computer-generated characters months before Tron came out. But like Network, which if you haven't seen, just drop everything and go watch Network, Looker was a satire essentially destroying the consumer's obsession with appearance and the surface world in the early 80s. Something that's still clearly wildly relevant today with Black Mirror. Kim Carnes did an official version of the theme song, but for the film, it was somehow demoted to a small Santa Barbara band called Sue Sad and the Next, who somehow managed to make a better version of it.
0: You probably think I'm beautiful, Dr. Roberts, but I'm not. I have lots of defects to fix. I have a list right here. My nose is 0.2 millimeters too narrow, and my cheekbones are 0.4 millimeters too high, and my chin has a little 0.1 bump here, and I have a mole here on my ribs, so I need plastic surgery.
1: Be sure that Bill will call.